the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're so glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministry is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer for you today is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God designed you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Philippians chapter 4. Now you remember in the first part of Philippians, we just finished Philippians 3, and, and Paul was making some very strong statements about his determined purpose, his goal in life, and what the principal dynamic and paradigm of his living was. To know him. To proceed from the point of receiving him to constantly, consistently, determinedly choosing to know him. That was Paul's determination in Philippians. We, we ended Philippians chapter 3 with, with a brief statement in there where he talks about those people who've chosen to know this world rather than Jesus. Even those who might be Christians. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. But we get to Philippians chapter 4 verse 1 and continuing on, Paul says, Therefore, my brethren, speaking to the Philippians whom I love and yearn to see my delight and crown, wreath of glory, of victory. Thus, this is the command, thus stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. Now we know that the Word of God is the inspired, the Bible is the inspired Word of God. But the separations are not. Okay? So whenever you see that word, therefore, and particularly when there's a chapter separation there, you need to go back and see what the therefore is there for. Because what he's referencing is the previous verse. And he says, therefore, therefore, my brethren. We also know that he is making a statement based on his determination. Because in Philippians chapter 3, that is the core of his message. So we go to Philippians 3.20 and 21 and look at the preceding verses. He says, But we, in contrast to the people he spoke of earlier, who were living to their flesh, living as their stomachs, as their gods, to the appetites and the things that suited their flesh, he says, But we, in contrast to that, are citizens of the state, the commonwealth, homeland, which is in heaven. From it also we earnestly and patiently await the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah as Savior, who will transform and fashion anew the body of our humiliation to conform to and be like the body of His glory and majesty by exerting that power which enables Him even to subject everything to Himself. 
Now we know Jesus is not just the Savior of our soul. He's not just the recreator of our being. He is the Savior of the body as well. He is going to regenerate or recreate that body. And this body that I'm wearing right now will one day either expire or be jettisoned out of here. I'm kind of hoping for the jettison thing. But this body will pass. And in that time, I will, at His chosen time, I will receive a new body, a regenerated body, or in the language of the New Testament, a resurrected body as He did. This, is, this body that I will receive will actually be compatible with the new spirit, the new creation of Christ in me. So we're waiting, we're anxiously awaiting the day when what is true within becomes true without. And won't that be glorious? Because at that point in time, I will no longer be distracted by the body of sin, the appetites of sin, by this continual working in my body to convince me that I am flesh rather than spirit. And we know the truth of us is that we are spirits with a body, right? Not bodies with a spirit, okay? We are spirits with a body, not bodies with a spirit. It makes all the difference in the world how we look at that. Because if we believe we're bodies with a spirit, then the body comes first, doesn't it? It's all about how we can affirm ourselves in the body, recognizing that one day we do have a spirit, and one day, praise God, the glorious day, we'll leave this earth and all of the troubles behind us. That was the inspiration for wonderful slims that we all sang, and I sang growing up. On Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast the wishful eye. But let me tell you something. That is not the abundant life God called us to. The abundant life. You shall have life and you shall have it more abundantly. The promised land that He's speaking of, you're walking in right now. And to the degree that you stand as Joshua did and say this land is belongs to the Lord, this battle that I'm having to fight, and there were many, it belongs to the Lord. And as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. You enter into the inheritance that is yours. You live in the reality that you are victorious in Christ and you possess the truth of the promised land. To the degree that you walk around looking and sizing up the giants in the land, you send it yourself to the wilderness. And you walk around and around and around, ever hopeful for the day when you'll be delivered, when you will have your needs met. Jesus is the Savior of this body. And it will be a wonderful day when our bodies are actually in conformity with the truth of who we are. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 52 through 54 says, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the sound of the last trumpet call, for a trumpet will sound, and the dead in Christ will be raised imperishable, free and immune from decay, and we shall be changed, transformed. For this perishable part of us must put on the imperishable nature. And this mortal part of us 
this nature that is capable of dying must put on immortality that is freedom from death. That's talking about this body. And when this perishable puts on the imperishable and this that was capable of dying puts on freedom from death then shall be fulfilled the scriptures that say death is swallowed up utterly vanquished forever in and unto victory death that is this body it's the only thing that is going to perish in us this body will be swallowed up in immortality. The victory that is ours will be the new body that represents, that will be the outward manifestation, the true undistorted vision of the reality of our union with Christ. It will be clear right now we see us with a glass dimly. But one day we shall see clearly. And what shall we see? We are like Him. In what way? That our lives are joined with His and we walk around in the resurrected body, the imperishable body, as He does. Won't that be glorious? But here's the reality of that. I want us all to hope in that. I want us all to believe in that. I want us all to embrace that truth. It is encouraged through Scripture that we walk in the truth of that day. But to walk in the truth of that day begins now. It begins in recognizing that the greater part of that reality resides within you. It's not one day in the great by and by. It's not us standing around wishing for this body to be made immortal. It's us recognizing that what we have in Christ, the life we have in Christ, we have now. The greater work is done. It is finished. So let's embrace it. Let's walk in the truth of it. So, where does that leave us? In that day, those who are truly His will be revealed by sight. We are not a product of this world. We are resident aliens. We are the body of Christ. We are heavenly beings wearing earth suits to get around in. We are away at school and living on campus. That is the truth of us. As citizens of heaven, we grieve over the contrast in cultures. We have our Father's heart, and we hurt for those who live without hope and have forgotten who they are. Every day we are tempted to forget, aren't we? Every day we are tempted to put our hope in this world or in the temporal things of this world. We're tempted to put our identity in this world and live as if this world is our final destination. And when we do that, we do not express joy. We find ourselves ever-seeking momentary happiness. We want peace that's based in our circumstances. We want the rest that's based in the body. We want the gain that this world gives, and we envy those who seem to have it. And when we live to this, we run the earthly race for a crown that will ultimately perish and wither. Paul says to the Philippians in 3.20, You're not of this world. You're a residence in the body of Christ whose home is in heaven. They were an imperishable crown. Paul's not talking about 
when he talks about the crown, we come back to verse 1 in chapter 4. He says, therefore, following through with those two verses, he says, therefore, and he expresses the great affection he has for the brethren, which are the Philippians. He says, or my brethren, or my family, my delight, and crown, or wreath. And he's speaking of the wreath, the crown that was given to athletes who won the race. But an interesting thing about this is that Paul's not talking in the context of a competition. He's talking about in the context the reward for participation. The reward for participation. Paul is not saying that he won them by his effort. But that they were the evidence or the fruit of the vine that he bore as a branch. They evidenced Paul's union with Christ. That's what he's talking about. So we look at 1 Corinthians 9.25. He says, Now every athlete who goes into training conducts himself temperately. That means he restricts himself. And he restricts himself in all things. How many things? All things. They do it to win a wreath that will soon wither. But we do it to receive a crown of eternal blessedness that cannot wither. Those who run after the things of this world, will, even the winners receive a crown that will wither, will pass away, and will be empty. But we do it to receive the manifestation of the truth that we have within us. Here is the reality of it. We talk about the vine and the branches. This is a great representation of the vine and the branch. Because as Paul's talking about his reward, he's not talking about what he puts forth. What can a branch do? Can it put anything out? No. What he's talking about is the fruit that was brought forth by the life of Christ in him. So when he says, I press on, when he uses these terms, athletic terms, what he is saying is that he continues in the truth of his union with Christ, that he walked in obedience to who he was in Christ, and that the fruit of that was what Christ created through his life. You see that? That's so different than what we hear. We think we got to get out there. We're the ones who push that fruit out. We're the ones who put it in place. I'm telling you that it starts from the foundation of Christ's life within you, the vine. And it is brought forth through the branch, the branch that is yielded to that life. And then there's the presentation of the fruit. And the fruit is the crown of glory for every branch. The fruit that He brought about by His life. What participation do we have? We participated in His life. That's the great reward. We manifested His life. Fruit is the crown and glory of every branch that abides in the vine. And He continues, He says, Thus stand firm in the Lord. Now this is an imperative command in present tense. And what that means, it's a fancy way of saying... Stand in the truth. Not create the truth. Not go find the truth. But stand in the truth. The truth that you're at. It's the same connection. What he's saying is abide in the vine. That's what he's saying. Stand means that I will take on the truth. I will live out the truth. I will appropriate the truth and it will become my life. Not 
Not something that I enter into occasionally, but it is my life. And he says continually. It's a present imperative, which means it's a command. It's not an option. He says if you're going to experientially live this life, Philippians, if you're going to experientially live in the truth of who you are, Christian, stand firm in what relates to the truth of who you are. Don't compromise. Now what truth are we talking about? Well, let's start with, number one, what is your purpose here? To know Him. To know Him. That means that everything that you experience, everything that you go through, everything in life that touches you, has that purpose in it. To know Him. And in what truth do we stand in? We stand in the truth that our greatest reward, our greatest treasure, we have received and we will explore it as we live in this life. That is Christ's life within us. And part of that, everything flows from that beginning. It flows from His life within us and everything flows out from there. That is the obedience factor. You know what obedience is? It's simply owning the truth. That's the reality of obedience. Obedience is not you doing something for God. It's actually God doing something for you. Obedience is you being able to allow the Spirit of God to flow through you. It's you being able to yield your life to the Spirit of God within you that from you and out of you as a branch there will be fruit born. When he says, don't do this, he's saying, you will impair the flow of my life in you. You will be distracted You will look away from the truth of who you are and whose you are if you do these things. They will take your focus off truth. When he says, do these things, he is saying, do these things that the truth might be seen in you. That you may see the manifestation of the reality that you're living in. That is the truth of obedience. Obedience is simply this. When I obey, I'm living in the truth. When I don't obey, I'm living a lie. And it's not about what you do. It's about yielding your life to Him and what He does in you and through you. That's what obedience is. As we enter into the reality of obedience, then we know that it's not up to us to create life. It's up to us to yield to life. And then we really begin to live. We really begin to experience what life is supposed to be. We live for the uh, imperishable crown. Those who are living in the truth of their union with Christ simply determine to live in the truth. And their obedience to that life that is within them is what expresses the fruit. Fruit being that crown of glory. Paul continues, he says, Thus stand firm. Now Paul wrote to them in verses 18 and 19 of chapter 3 that those who were enemies of the cross, who were were the ones who were living to this world, and adopted a theology that would best profit their flesh. And we talked about this the last time we were in Philippians. There were two groups that were in that category. One were the legalists and the others were the liberalists. And the legalists stood and were working for a crown of righteousness which was not based in Christ but was based in what they did for God to gain favor. And from that position they judged and condemned 
and they were working off the doctrine of comparison. And then the liberalists, the hedonists, if you will, were those who would incorporate theology in order to license them to do whatever they wanted to do. And what we said very simply was that these two groups were both in service of the flesh, therefore they were enemies of the cross. They were enemies of that instrument that God chose to take all of this selfish, self-centered living and put it to death and resurrect us into a life that was centered on Him and focused on Him. They were enemies of that dynamic. And you know, I, I was discussing this with my father and he pointed out, he says, you know what, the reality is they're both, both of those groups are eating from the same tree. The hedonist is eating from the dark side and the legalist is eating from the good side. One the bad side and one the good side. Is there really any difference? Did one side get more death than the other? Did one side get more separation than the other? When we enter into a self-centered living, we're eating from the fruit. We're desiring the fruit and we're consuming the fruit in hope that it will give our flesh life. That it will give us identity. Paul recognized the undertow of self-centered living, the product of nibbling at the wrong tree. And he says to them, stand fast, don't be, don't be taken in. And you know what? The way he puts that, there's a lot of passion in that. It's stand fast, it's imperative, it's present. And do you think that, and he says this quite a bit, he uses word like determine, he uses word like press forward, he uses words like straining towards the goal, and he uses words like stand fast. Do you think that he would have taken this strong attack if he felt like the temptations out there were fairly nominal and we had the strength to just kind of pass them by? Do you think he would have? No, he recognizes the pull. He recognizes the dynamic that it's so easy for us to get caught up in the idea that this world is our home. And what's most important is our comfort upon the planet and how the people around us literally prop us up in who we are. That's what's most important. Paul says, no, that's not what's most important. That's self-centered living. Stand fast in the truth that you're a spiritual being. Stand fast in the truth that the goal of life is to know Him. Stand fast in the truth that the reality of life is Christ in you. Stand fast in these things. Paul knew the fight well. You know, you don't mature past the pull of the world. You don't. You know, you develop. You developed. By, by the work of the Spirit of God in you, He will, through your obedience, He will help you develop. And I hate to use the word help because we think that you know He's given us a manual, but here's the truth of it. He will walk the path of truth with you. I know uh, when, when I got sick and, and I went to the operation, we had some issues with the insurance. And so we had to call the insurance company. And first thing was, we're going to call the insurance company and get on the line with them. And you know how that is. You get somebody, who knows where, Bangkok or somewhere, and, and they basically give you the textbook answers. And if they can't get you satisfied that way, they're going to flip you off to somebody else who has a different textbook. But in the reality thing, you get to the end of it and you're not sure what they told you. 
Well, I'm, I'm a little concerned about all this. My wife is even more concerned because I'm kind of incapacitated. And, and so what we do is we call my administrator, the one who sold me the insurance, and she gets on a three-way call and she walks us through the questions. She literally takes us through it. Now, she was the one who was really getting the answers. We weren't. She was the one who was really pulling out the truth that we needed. We didn't even know where to look. It was all her doing. But she put us in it that we might grow and learn and be, here's the, here's the key point, and be at rest with what we had. Isn't that cool? Well, that's what the Holy Spirit does with you. And that pathway that He teaches you and brings you into in this work of obedience where He takes you down this path, He is teaching you to rest in who you are. And a path well worn is a path that's easily taken, isn't it? But you never get away from the pool of the world. Every day you're going to have it pull at you. Every day it's going to try to treat you, try to convince you that your life is in this world. Thank you for joining us today for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation, rest in His life moment by moment, and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. To get to know us better, visit us on the web at hislifefellowship.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If this message has blessed you, you can help support this program with your gift to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 781-529, San Antonio, Texas, 78278. And now, before we go, our prayer for you this coming week is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you and that you would remember that wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.